You're listening to the Complete Performance Systems Podcast, where we cover how to get really strong, increase sports performance, training, nutrition, rehab, and lifestyle. Hey guys, welcome to the Complete Performance Systems Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Hakamaki, and I have here with me on episode four, Joey Flex. Joey has been in the powerlifting space ever since he was a teen. He has a ton of anecdotal knowledge relating to his experience to share with others. Joey runs Flex Training Systems, which is a team to many of the best powerlifters in the world. In this podcast, you can truly see Joey's passion for the sport. He covers how he goes about assessing athlete needs, how to develop a better grasp on auto-regulation in athletes, how he goes about peaking, what training high-level athlete, high athletes involve, post-competition strategies and goal assessment, how he is able to coach and be a competitor at the same time, and upcoming raw national advice. I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. Uh, I mean, I'm assuming... A lot of you guys already know me, but um, I'm I'm Joey Flex. <laughs> uh, I coach some of your favorite powerlifters. <laughs> um, as far as like how I came to be, um, I started you started off uh, doing a million things, and like many of the many of these guys prominent in this field, uh, I started out training people, which I think I gained a lot of my kind of uh, people skills from. Um, you know, part of what I do is just like dealing with a lot of different types of personalities, interpreting what they need or deciphering what they need and then kind of prescribing based on that. Um, so started out as a personal trainer. My first client I got when I was 16 years old. I was never really super into powerlifting until like 22, 23 years old. I really wish I would have started sooner. Um, but, uh, got into powerlifting, um, and I just kind of did it on the side just for fun. Like just for me, I never want, I never thought about coaching and then people kept asking me about it. And then I was like, okay, you know, if everybody keeps asking me, I can just take what I've learned from training people and apply that to, you know, uh, lifting. And at the time there was not a lot of people doing it. Um, I knew of Mike T I knew of Bryce because he was actually local to me. Um, and that's really it. I didn't really know. I mean, I, I saw videos of Dan Green lifting heavy and, and like, you know, Lily Bridges and things like that, but I didn't really, uh, I don't really know of anyone doing specific powerlifting coaching at the time. Um, uh, I went to school right here down the street for me, actually. Uh, I did two years of community college. Then I got, uh, got scholarship to university of St. Mary's in Leavenworth, Kansas, uh, I was going to play football there, and then when I got over there, I was living on my own for a little while, and I kind of realized um, I didn't necessarily enjoy what I was doing. Um, even and, and then I started to, to realize in football how you give so much of it, you give so much of your time and your body to it, but you don't really see returns until like the very end. And I always loved lifting, and I liked uh, certain aspects of football, like the full team aspect and being out in the field, but you know, just like studying and like we had a very thorough uh, ex-NFL linebackers coach and it was just like, it was just a lot of time commitment and I was getting older and, you know, I had financial responsibilities. So uh, I just found that 
I truly love lifting, but I didn't necessarily like hurting myself all the time. I mean, football, you're going to get injured, just, just part of the game. Um, so I came, I moved back from there. I moved back to, you know, Los Angeles. I was kind of just, I got right away into a gym um, and I uh, was just doing what I could to try to supplement my income. And then I started powerlifting. I was kind of decent at it. And then, uh, like, I remember at the time, back then, like, I had, like, a 380 bench, which for my division and as a junior was, like, great. Um, as a, it was a 198. And then um, my coach at the time, Tyler Mayer, he's an OG. Not many of you guys know about him, but um, he was, like, we were originally going to do bodybuilding. And he was, like, hey, why don't you, right when, like, DUP came out and right when RPE was, like, really getting popular, um, you know, he was like, why don't you just do powerlifting like you're or try a meet, just try a meet. And I was like, OK, let's try a meet. And then I had so much fun with it. Uh, I wanted to I wanted to like just see how far I could take it. And I remember I remember being in a bathroom of an L.A. fitness and I was washing my hands and I was just thinking, I don't know why I remember this moment. And I just remember thinking to myself, uh, I want to I want to I want to see how strong I can get. You know what I mean? I, I always kept thinking that I was going to eventually stop powerlifting and go back to uh, bodybuilding. And my dad at the time was like really not, he didn't like that I was powerlifting because he was just thought I was going to get hurt. Um, and I actually think there's something to that. Um, like now in this generation, we're seeing a lot of, um, you're seeing athletes, like we, if you follow me and my guys, I'm always talking about pushing limits, pushing the standard, breaking limits, and like just doing shit that's never been done before. I think it's a lot of, why we're able to kind of do that, especially with like drug-free powerlifting, is because there's never been this level of good information out before. And like, I think we just know how to push people. Um, we know how to push lifters past their limits and keep them progressing while staying healthy, like more so than any other point in like raw powerlifting history, right? If you can just if you could just eliminate the the potential of getting I mean there's always going to be potential for injury and everybody's different right but if you can minimize it to a point where it's not really going to inhibit you um, and you can do it for longer you're gonna see you're gonna see guys like Russell you guys know Sean Sean has been with me for uh, like five years like almost five years so it's just like all these people that are here, even Daniela, she's been around for a really long time. All these people that are here now that are being, you know, you guys are seeing do great things. They've been at it for a super long time. They haven't stopped. Um, also, with social media, there's just more people doing it now. More people are seeing people, you know, get into it. And, and you know, they kind of like, hey, you know what? I'm kind of around that strength. We're seeing freaks come out of the woodwork. We're seeing 18-year-olds, you know, pulling 683 at 74 kg. You know what I'm saying? Uh, did I say 16? I meant 18 year olds. I don't know what I said, but, but you know, they're, they're just craziness. It's just craziness. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know if that answers it, but it's, it's, that's kind of like my, a little bit of my background. Um, I think, you know, powerlifting has given me everything. I'm so glad that I stay stuck with it. And, uh, like I said, I think timing was really important. There was not a lot of people doing it when I started, uh, especially to the capacity that I was doing it. Um, I remember I was at every meet that I possibly could be at. Every meet that I could be at, I just was there to try to l just, like, get better at calling numbers, you know, learning the flow of a meet. I remember uh, I had a lifter competing at USPA Nationals. I took a plane 
in the morning. I flew out there. I got off the plane. I handled my lifter. He won, and then I flew back. <laughs> I was just everywhere. I was just making sure that I was trying to take in as much information that I could and just gain as much experience as I could in a short amount of time. Luckily, I'm in SoCal, and we have a ton of meets here, right? Um, and so I was just more experienced just being at all the different competitions um, and, you know, taking what I learned from myself as a lifter, competing as myself, and, like, sometimes you apply that to your lifters if you feel like it can be beneficial. And I have, I've, I also started out with a kind of, you know, I had, there's me, right, and then there's Tina behind me, right? She, she is a very different, she's a very polar opposite of me in terms of what she needs to progress and train. Um, so I think that kind of, like, now I automatically have, like, two contrasts, right? I have me, super slow recovery, um, you know, I don't do a lot of volume. I don't even deadlift all the time. And then you have her. It's like she needs, you know, bench five times a week, squat two, three times a week, deadlift two, three times a week, or one to two times a week. Um, you know, so I so I got to see both sides. And then I started to acquire more people over time. And I have, like, you know, so much anecdote, like tons and tons of just, like, information from working with all these people over time. Um, and this has really helped me kind of come into my own and, find what works and just like be really, really, really confident in my execution uh, to to a point where we're able to to like see, you know, do stuff like we did in Sweden and be very prominent in nationals and things like that. So um, I feel like I've been talking a lot and I should let you talk. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. I love it. Like, you can definitely see your passion for the sport. Yeah. Um, I like how you mentioned the injuries too with powerlifting. A lot of people think, "Oh, you're a powerlifter; you're gonna get hurt all the time." But when you look at like the statistics, it's like one to four point four, I believe five point eight on a couple different studies um, per thousand hours. Whereas some like um, court sports, or, like field sports, like basketball, is like eight point five to eleven point um, one injuries per thousand hours. So it just completely contradicts what a lot of people believe. I think if you, especially with auto regulation, if you do it right, you're not gonna get hurt. And and actually, my next informative video that I was gonna film today, but I ended up filming something else, um, is gonna be about just kind of like when you use, when you have good intuition, you can pretty much see like you know what to look for, and you know, you know, based on what you've been doing the last couple of weeks, maybe the last couple of days, what do you have going on in your life? You come into the gym. And you just kind of know, okay, like maybe today I should call an audible and not do my scheduled workout that's written down, which is really, 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 really hard for newer lifters, especially because they are so, and I used to be like this too. They're extremely like, like, I'm not going to deviate from my program. I want to be the best. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to let anything, you know, stop me from being better than the guy next to me, whatever. So but but that you know you can do that to a fault, and I think uh, very early on in my lifting career, um, I was just so like I'm gonna do what's written down no matter what. I eventually stopped working with my coach because I just couldn't I couldn't stay healthy, uh, and then I learned I learned a lot from that experience, and I'm kind of glad that I went through it because it allowed me to take take that and tease it to my guys. Um, I have a guy who left the Midwest, moved out here to train. He saved up a ton of money moved out here to train, just to train. He just wants to train for a little while uh, here at Zoo and be next to coach and just, like, learn from me. And, I, you know, I, I'm like, he's 21 years old. He's already 
he's doing great. He's like pretty much progressing every week. And I was like, uh, I didn't have someone like that when I was 21. I didn't have someone like that when I was 22. You know what I mean? And there's just a lot of value in in the experience that I feel like I can offer to people. I mean, it's it's um you guys are seeing it. I'm not the type of person on on Instagram. I don't really put out informative stuff on my YouTube channel. That's where I'm gonna like go in depth and like talk about things. Um, but you know, I just kind of like on IG, I'll just show results, right? I'll just show like results, results, results. You guys are just seeing results. Um, you know, and I'm trying to, you know, before it was just, it was just about winning. It was just about like being, you know, kind of establishing myself. And now it's like, okay, now that we're here, now that I have this team, I want to take what is normal and I want to just blow it up. I want to just take what, what people think is an 83, what people think is a 93, you know, what, what people think an 84 kg female is, whatever, you know, I want to just blow it out of the water. I want, I want to just take whatever it is that the standard is and just be like, yo, before there was Joey, this was not, this is what it was. And after like, now we're at this whole, whole new thing. Um, granted, I think by me wanting to do that and me having such passionate guys that want to do that, other people are going to kind of this is the thing about powerlifting, right? You see, everybody looks at everybody else, even though we're not supposed to, and they don't want to get left behind. They want to get better. They want to get stronger. So, as a as a like a product or a byproduct of me wanting to do this, I'm not saying I'm the only one, right? You know, there's also, of course, Taylor Atwood has been been in here as long as I've I've been around. I've I remember him. Um, you know, Bryce has been here too. Uh, ben Rice. This is a couple, couple OGs here and there. Ray's been around. With with everyone, with everyone at the top, there's gonna be people that wanna. What's it called? I forget the saying. It's like a rising tide like lifts all ships, something like that. <laughs> I don't know if you know that saying, but um, I can. I'm actually gonna look it up while I talk. But but you guys get what I'm saying. Like if 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 I'm saying, hey, look, this can be possible. Everybody else is gonna try to do the same thing too. I'm not saying I'm the pioneer. I'm just saying I'm in a position to do so, and there's definitely other people, um, you know, there's definitely opposition out there that's trying to do it as well, um, and I think that's great. I think, I think you know, we're elevating the sport. We're just like one day, you know, the head of some big, maybe I don't know. Let's just throw it out there: Adidas, Nike, Olympics, whatever is going to see is going to see a 63 kg girl come in and like hit something crazy and think, wow, that's like really cool. Let's get behind this. Let's put money behind this. Let's make this something interesting. And then the whole sport's going to be elevated as a, as kind of like a byproduct of that. So I think that's what it is. Just, you know, progressing the sport, um, moving things forward. Um, once again, a lot of me talking, <laughs> uh, you guys kind of get where I'm coming from here. It all completely completely makes sense on raising the bar of the sport, and you can pull that from your, your Instagram as well as your athletes, and just kind of how it relates to the uh, culture at Flex, and why you see such a great culture on um, social media such as Instagram. Yeah, I uh, one thing I will say about that is uh, I just try to be myself and put out whatever energy I put out, and you kind of get that back. And uh, I don't have to try to be anyone else. I don't have to, you know, not share things that are interesting to me or things that I like. I just kind of, I'm trying to be a, as authentic as I can. Uh, I don't, I don't like things that are fake. I don't like things that aren't true. And um, I think by me doing that, 
people can kind of resonate with that and they understand that like you know i mean you guys can tell them super passionate and that's what you want you know you want someone there that's going to just kind of like i i often say like i can't care about i can't care about you more than you care about you you know what i mean but it might happen sometimes you know maybe maybe i'm just taking someone's um you know prep or situation like super serious and they're they're not in a mental space to be able to do that and that's when we kind of have to have a talk but but um yeah i think culture is super important trying to just have people a part of a team and have them feel like yo i'm going through this but my squad is going through it too and i'm not gonna you know i don't want to get left behind and they're kind of empowering me to to push forward and um you know that's what it's about it's all about you know you're not alone doing this we're all trying to get better we're all trying to get stronger i like i like russ's uh slogan a lot get better today it's like literally we're getting stronger right we're lifting weights we're clearly trying to improve our powerlifting skill um but we're also getting better as people through the little adversity and lessons that we learn through lifting it carries over into life and it just kind of makes everything um it gives you perspective and you know, if you can go through a powerlifting prep, I mean, it's not that big a deal. It's not like that hard, but like, you know, there are some people that haven't played sports, for example. It's very, it's like a very telling thing. It's like they haven't played any sports. They haven't kind of gone through that. So when they deal with powerlifting stress, it's too much for them or they're just as a new thing for them. Um, I think if, you know, regular people that don't do lifting really and they try to get into it, I think it's great for them. I think not only is it going to change their body, but it's going to teach them uh you know these lessons that i'm talking about and and uh you know the camaraderie at competitions especially at the local level is like it's a super fun thing you know it's it's everybody's kind of cheering everybody on and and i think uh, i think it's great yeah it's crazy at a local level everyone wants to uh, you know all of your competition because it's local everyone wants to beat everyone but just the amount of help um that you can get from athletes and coaches at a local level is crazy. Like yeah. everyone has everyone's best interest. Um, you mentioned Russell's uh, get better today. And just with you having the experience you do as a coach, um, auto regulation, how do you instill that in athletes and um, helping them understand the big picture and not just uh, daily loss or daily win type thing. And how do you kind of take this and develop like a macro meso and uh, micro cycle? okay that the last part is kind of well i'll talk about the first part for you said how do we how do we kind of implement rp so um well there's a lot of general guidelines out there but essentially the way i i do it i might do it a little different i don't know uh i saw something on the internet the other day and i kind of like disagreed with their kind of perception of rpe but what i like to do is you know generally with with within the six to eight six to nine ish rpe range right you got to be careful with nine because if you go too much you're gonna you're mm -hmm. gonna cause damage and things like that but um we know that working in there is a sweet spot right and if if i could just compare to percentage let's say you start somebody off you know and they're doing sets in like the 65 percent range there can be times for that, that that can be useful but one thing that i find with rpe is because you're taking what you have on the day you're kind of always you're always going to be doing uh, enough that is going to stimulate some sort of growth or some sort of recovery or something like that. You're never going to just underdo it for the day. Like you're not going to waste the day going in and you just have like an absurdly light workout and it just ends up, you know, you end up having too many of those and then you're not really getting anywhere. You're kind of, 
you're kind of just doing, uh, you know, like RPE eights can get stressful. You know, if I'm doing if I'm doing squats at a five at RPE eight, that is going to beat me up. Somebody like me, for example, Tina could probably handle it all day, but. You know, it's all, everything is relative. In terms of prescribing things, it's all relative. I start people off with something kind of um, moderate or general based on the information they've given me ahead of time. And then once we kind of get eight to 12 weeks in, I can really see like, okay, they really, you know, they responded really well to this. I'm going to kind of keep going in that direction or what. Um, but essentially, it's just taking what you have, uh, understanding that there is going to be a time and place for you to send it. Quota quotations right there's going to be a time where you can send it but you know uh you can you can get away with it in training at times and at times i think it can be beneficial but there there are many times where it can be detrimental um you know for your progress and moving forward this is another thing with rpe is is like if you if you do not have coaching with it i don't think it's nearly as effective if the person that is trying to implement it does not understand what you're trying to look for. Um, you know, with my people, it's like a daily thing. I need to hear from them daily. I need to see what's going on daily. Sometimes I have a lot to say. Sometimes I don't have much to say. Um, but it's all about kind of, kind of like steering them on the right track, making sure that they're overdoing it, they're underdoing it. And over time, they start to learn, okay, you know, this is exactly what Joey wants. And this is something that I told Russ maybe like in the last month I, I told him you know i was watching one of his videos and he said some things and i and i and i just showed me that he really understood what i was looking for from him um and it's so hard to just tell somebody like off the bat exactly what you're looking for you kind of need to experience it a few times i can do my best with words to kind of get people on the right track but like i said eight to twelve weeks and then you know, after many, many preps, you start to really be aware of, okay, this is what a coach is looking for. This is what I need. And you're basically empowering your lifter every single time you talk to them with information they need to make better decisions on the fly so that when I put that RPE down on paper, they can just be that much better at it. And then over time, you know, it becomes like seamless. We don't even need to, to worry about that that much. They're getting the training. They're worrying about their recovery. They're handling that. I'm getting the feedback from them that I need, and we're good to go. Um, you know, that's 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 kind of the general uh, way that I do it or, or how I try to prescribe things to people. I feel like there was one more thing that I wanted to say, but I forgot. Um, yeah, RPE, it needs the coaching. That, that, that's another reason why I don't really like to just sell. I don't really just sell programs because – um, without coaching, like I said, somebody has a bad experience, they don't really get it, and then it just, everything falls apart, and now they're going to go tell people, hey, I tried this free program from Joey, and it didn't work for me. You know what I mean? I'd rather just have the coaching there, and um, and they'd be, they'd be good to go. So, But yeah, that's pretty much that. Um, I hope I answered everything. I'm not sure if I did. I know there was multiple parts to that question. Yeah, you definitely did. And I, what I like about uh, RPE, and um, as you get more advanced, it's just easier to pick up on. But you mentioned like the 65%. Um, if you're using like the one rep max repetition relationship, yeah. it's like 15 reps. But like you mentioned with Tina, that's completely variable on person to yeah. person. 
Yeah, and um, you know, your winner at max for the day is going to vary based on what you have going on. So, you know, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of a something to consider. It's all, you're just always taking what you have. There's no reason you should ever miss unless it's a judgment call, like you screw up, uh, because I'm never going to put down, like no one's going to put down at 10. You know what I mean? Um, you know, some people, and for me, it's strictly like, it's how many reps you have in the tank. You know, if, if I put down a nine on paper and you do it and you definitely had more than one rep left, then it wasn't a nine. It was, it was something else. I think it's important to have kind of clear definition when you're talking about RPE. Um, I know that some people, they see RPE almost as like a, as a, as a number that they're trying to hit and then they hit it and then it doesn't end up being that RPE. So now they're kind of saying, well, my RPE of whatever didn't equal what was asked of me. That's not how I look at it. I look at it like, well, if it says eight on paper and it was a grinder, it clearly wasn't an eight. You ended up, you ended up screwing up. You get what I'm saying? So it's kind of complicated. It's kind of a complicated thing when you think about it, but, um, it, yeah, it RPE. So re- relate it back to percents on an ideal day as a starting point but like you mentioned not every day it um you're on your true one rep max so yeah. it kind of throws it off yeah um so with your you coach a lot of elite athletes how does um that play into your like your programming is there differences with elite athletes um uh, that you take it, when programming um that you notice to be honest, uh, the the way that I kind of think about it is not really. Um, so everyone, everyone has an amount of work that they need to do in order to get better, and it's just about me kind of finding finding that. Uh, I don't really like using tonnage. Again, you know, I I prefer more sets, reps, and like relative RPE uh, because they're going to be doing they're always going to be doing what they en- enough to progress. Like I said. Um, and there are things that I can do within that to kind of, you know, pull back or push, push forward or whatever, um, with, with my elite guys versus my regular guys, uh, you might have a guy that's not elite that is going to be doing like, I'm going to approach that kind of the same way as somebody that is super hyper elite. Um, I don't necessarily think I haven't really seen anyone hit like crazy plateaus and just not move. Everybody kind of just keeps moving forward. I mean, you guys are seeing, you know, some lifts are going to definitely progress slower than others based on leverages, genetics, and things like that. Um, but I think, you know, if you if you can get, keep them healthy and you find the right formula and you keep kind of like going with that, um, you have to be aware of that because it can change. You know, sometimes their life changes. There's other things that can go on. Um, just because somebody's progressing on three times a week squat doesn't mean they always need to. Hell, I was progressing on crazy amounts of volume back in the day, and now I literally only low bar once a week. I'm also way stronger now. Um, the amounts I'm lifting is much more than back then, so I need to, you know, I need to just be aware of that. And if I tried to get anywhere close to that relative volume, I would just die. Like I just couldn't do it. So. Um, I'm also, I'm also, also being aware of like, uh, changes kind of as you, as, as a lifter kind of ages as a lifter, um, the way that I approach my bench press is very different from the way that I used to do it. Um, you know, I kind of really only push once a week and then I have two other days where I'm just kind of like, 
just it's almost like I'm growing from one session and I'm using the other sessions to kind of facilitate that growth throughout the week. Um, kind of like how an enhanced person can train and then they take their enhancements and then they're kind of growing all week. In order for me to kind of do that, I need those other sessions to kind of keep it going. Um, you know, as drug-free lifters, we have to kind of stimulate muscle protein synthesis and uh, training is a great way of doing that. So if you can do it in a non-invasive way, you can recover from harder workouts without, you know, you're going to be a lot better off than just hitting the workout and taking the week off and then trying to hit it again. You're just going to, you're just going to get rusty and, you know, not, not progress. But yeah, whether it's an elite person or, or a beginner, it's pretty much, there's not really that many differences. Uh, I will say that with beginners, you need to kind of hit more of like, uh, more kind of bodybuilding-esque where like you need to hit the whole you need to build the whole organism. You need to build the whole person. Um, they're going to have a lot more weaknesses. They're just going to not be developed as developed in certain areas. Whereas like somebody like Russell, for example, we were pretty much just focused on the comp lifts. He can do his little bodybuilding here and there on the side and he's going to be good. Um, but like newer people, newer guys, younger, definitely can be super beneficial, especially to train back. I think training back is like such... If you have a strong back, it's going to make all the lifts easier. So training your back, uh, some sort of vertical pressing, um, you know, maybe maybe little direct hamstring work here and there, just little stuff, and and it can help kind of. It's also injury prevention too. You know, if you're only doing the big three, I would mention at some point uh, you're going to be like super overdeveloped in certain areas, and like you might just be in pain like existing. So you know, kind of. Training everything to a point when it's appropriate. Obviously, farther off from competition, you can get away with stuff like that. Um, and you should be good to go. So, yeah. Uh, and then, I don't know if I said, but the, the more advanced people, you don't need to focus so much on the sort of variety. Um, it's all about turning knobs, right? You have specificity, and then you're doing more variation. Um, beginners are going to need more in general than I think someone that's already super strong. Also your recovery, uh, allowance is not going to be, you may not even, you can't even afford to do the bodybuilding stuff because you're not going to have, um, you're not going to have the recovery for it. You just need to focus on, you know, some people I cut out everything and we just do the big three and they do fantastically. Um, you know, for enjoyment purposes and like post comp, I try to add that stuff back in just to kind of spice it up a bit and you know, the 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 training that you go through leading into a competition can become very monotonous and uh, just mentally draining. Uh, so it is kind of good to switch it up sometimes. Um, not for too long, obviously. Uh, like I said, that powerlifting is like if one person's not working, somebody else is going to be working, and then they're going to catch you. You have to, you know, take your week off, take your rest, and then you kind of kind of got to go back to it my guys say they take a week off but they're always doing something you know they go back in and they they'll mess around I, yeah i feel the same way as a power lifter nothing's worse than like a plan d load it, you just get so bored when yeah. it's time away from your sport um as far as peaking and you meant like or you mentioned turning it on as competition comes closer for peaking, how do you know when your athletes are going to be peaked? Do you specify certain weeks throughout like a training cycle as deloads and then take so many weeks off prior to meet? And or do you count like exposures on certain lifts? Um, I think I know what you're asking. So I will kind of push them 
from five to three weeks out, I like to ramp up in some sort of way. Um, I've done it from I've done it from two to four weeks. I've done it leading all the way up to two weeks out, and they've only had that meat week to kind of pull it down. I've done all different types of the, all different types of different tapers and peaks and things like that. Um, but it is the same principle. It's just applied. The dosage and the timing is applied differently based on the person. Um, you know, I, I used to kind of push people really, really hard leading up to a meet and then pull them way back and then kind of let their recovery do the thing. I would say I don't do that as hard now. Um, I will try to make it challenging. I do try to get them. I'll try to make it a little bit harder. Um, working more in those lower rep ranges, volume is kind of similar or slightly 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 less than what it was when they were in their highest kind of volume phases uh and then i just kind of taper it down from there a very generic sort of uh way of doing it is like three weeks out is their hardest week in terms of volume and intensity then two weeks out you're still keeping the intensity you're cutting your volume maybe by you know 30 percent 30 percent and then you know that last week you're just hitting double singles. Uh, I do do some kind of crazy stuff with people that bench uh, very frequently. I that might just be a normal a normal week for them, and I change like one day. You know, it's very um, it's very specific to the person, and it really depends on uh, you know what we've been doing in the past. I think that answers everything. Uh, so, in a way, to answer your question, yes, and then whatever I said before is kind of how how I do it, but. It, it can vary. It, it, it really, you know, I have one guy who's really big and strong and I start tapering him down uh, like almost a month out, you know, just because he just needs it. But the, I would say for the majority of people that are like doing nationals, for example, they're in the, you know, I want to say like under, you know, not to, not to say there aren't masters doing it, but it's like between like, 16 and I don't even know if they're 16 year olds doing it 18 and 30 years old you know most of those people are not going to need that much rest but you never know I I don't deadlift for 10 days 9 to 10 days leading into a meet um but I will take a heavy squat single up to like 90 like if like I'll do it on a Wednesday and I'll lift on Sunday I'll literally hit a heavy single at an RPE 9 or 8 not a 9 maybe like an 8 um It'll feel like shit, but it'll move decent. And then I have literally Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I'm just completely resting. Um, this Nationals, that's not going to happen because I will be handling people. Nationals, I can never really you know, have the taper that I want. I just try to do my best. But, um, yeah, that's that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot of info. <laughs> you mentioned being a competitor yourself and uh, handling people. How do you balance that, being a high-level competitor yourself and then coaching people at uh, – high level meets such as nationals and worlds believe it or not okay so for nationals it's just the lifters come first this is going to be the first nationals ever in my in my existence where on that saturday i'm pretty sure i'm not going to handle anyone i'm not going to handle nothing because i'm lifting the next day um and it's like killing me because i really 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 want to handle my people but um you know, if I can crack top five, like, after handling... Because Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I'm going to die. Like, I'm going to be handling the entire time, and it's going to be super hard. Um, if I can get one day off my feet, and I can really just make sure I'm just eating as much as I can during those days when I'm very active, um, you know, I might be able to put up something decent at Nationals. Really, Arnold, you know, this will be my fifth Arnold, and I just kind of want to... 
I want to get five in there, and it's looking like I'm going to hit a pretty pretty big milestone total. I like my totals from Nationals to Arnold is like crazy. I hit six. I think I hit like six, um, seven, six seventy two at Nationals, and then I hit seven forty four at the Arnold. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like. It, I had that strength kind of to a point. I was just very suppressed because of all the all the work that I was doing. Um, you know, I also hit, hit a big PR on bench, and deadlifts are just kind of like incrementally progressing. So um, I focused on the lifters for nationals. And then at, at the Arnold, I put all my resources kind of towards me uh, because I lift on the first day, so it's super convenient um, where, like, I just – go in focus on me i don't have to handle anyone and then i do my thing and then saturday i'm handling all day and then uh you know i'm kind of chilling after that um so i only do two meets a year it's just nationals and arnold nationals is to qualify for arnold i really only get one shot every year to kind of push it um so that's kind of how i do it i focus on everybody else and then i pick a meet for me and then i just focus on me then i train year round i think prep is year round you know you don't just um it's not just like, okay, we're a meat prep now. It's like, if you're prepping for your meat eight weeks out and you're going against someone who was like right there with you a year ago and they were training all year, they're going to destroy you. You know what I mean? Like, it is kind of like a extremist mentality maybe to just be in prep all the time. But at the end of the day, it's what do you want? You know, do you want to, do you want to be the best lifter you can? And, and I feel like I've gotten really good at making it making it happen in a way where it's not super invasive. I mean, you can have your life outside of powerlifting. You can do those other things within reason. You know, if you're going to go out and get shit faced every night, I can't help. I'm not really going to be able to help you much there. Uh, if you have a crazy, super insanely demanding physical job, that might be a little bit difficult too. Um, you know, I just try to get the most out of people. That's again, RPE is amazing for that. You, 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 you are just kind of dosing stress in a way where they're always doing what they can for the day, um, regardless of what they have going on. And that's kind of how, how I approach it with me. Uh, also, I think what has helped me a lot is I don't, if I go in the gym and some don't feel right, I'm chilling. You know what I mean? I don't risk it. I am not going to just punch it. Uh, I don't mess with like my hamstrings. Um, believe it or not, I've, I've, I have a, with my back is like good, but if my back is talking to me, um, you know, and it's like really bad. I might just chill for the day, but I don't mess around with like, like joints, like knees, uh, pecs, uh, elbows. You got to be kind of careful with, um, you know, things going on in here. You know what I mean? I just kind of, um, when I was younger, I would just push through it, but it's like, it's not worth it. You could literally just skip one day, let it let it cool off, and you'll be good to go for the next session. Or you could like risk it, punch, you know, pushing in that session. So knowing when to push and pull, you know, having that intuition and things like that, those are super, super important, super valuable, um, super valuable tools to to kind of learn. And you know, that's something I try to give to people through coaching is like when they can go in the gym and make that decision, like, hey. I was feeling I was feeling off today, so I did this instead of this, or I just I just skipped it. I didn't want to risk it. Like I tell my conventional guys, yo, if you don't feel right, something's off. Just don't even do it. Conventional is gonna is not gonna go away. It's one of those lifts where you could probably take a month off and you might be better. You might be. And, you know, everybody's different, but um, you know, you just gotta. I know when to push myself. I know when I need to pull back, and I listen. I listen to my body, and I don't. 
Uh, I don't force things, but I also don't slack. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah. <laughs> no, it makes complete sense. I like how you mentioned um, the athlete that trains eight weeks out from a competition versus the person who trains year-round. Yeah. Um, people really don't understand that training age and how long you've been training is so much different than your uh, calendar year age. Yeah. Um, you you got to be aware of those things. And I think, you know, I mean, granted, everybody has different things going on in their life. And if life doesn't allow you to do something like that, you got to just kind of, it's all, like setting reasonable expectations, right? You have to kind of say, okay, I'm only going to be able to train X amount of days. Then, you know, I'm going to just do the best that I can. And on me day, I'll do what I have. Whereas like if you're neck and neck, like if you're, if you're Sean and Russ, you know, they want to win, you know what I mean? So they're going to do whatever they got to do to try to put training to the forefront so that they can, um, you know, get the most out of it. And they're definitely going to be sleeping. They're definitely going to be hitting their protein. They're definitely going to be doing their training sessions and making sure that they're warmed up and taking care of business. Um, you know, so it's kind of like these people, you shouldn't be looking at those people and and have any doubts about anything that anybody's doing if you're not doing any of that stuff yourself. You know what I mean? Like if it's just like you're not willing to do all these little things, then, you know, all that little stuff adds up. I posted about Berto talking about the 70 hours a week thing. Uh, I didn't realize that 10 hours a night. It's really hard to sleep 10 hours for me. Um, uh, you know, but eight hours if you're getting if you go to sleep and you're uninterrupted and you just kind of wake up naturally. That's what you want. You know what I mean? That's going to help you so much. You're not going to get injured as much. You're going to be able to recover. I cannot stress the value of sleep. And it's one of those things where like you might necessarily you might not necessarily know that it's affecting you. But it absolutely does. And same thing with protein. If not getting enough protein, not sleeping enough, it's like, you know, I know you're going to have Mike T on here. He talked about uh, Dennis. I forget his last name. Starts with a C, Siri, Clary, something like that. Um, he People were asking him, how do you get a bigger bench? And he was saying sleep. <laughs> Go to sleep. <laughs> and it's true. It's like you got to sleep. Um, that's when you recover and that's when you grow. So. That's exactly what Kyle from Compound Performance was saying on uh, my podcast, Adam Mon. I asked him one thing he would uh, do looking back at his career, and he said, get more sleep. Yeah, it's now, you know, I live on my own. I'm living with, with Tina. I'm at my house. You know, I had dogs. My mom was always up early doing things, so I was kind of like just woken up, and, and I my sleep is way, way better now, um, and it is something that I think people will definitely take for granted. And it's something that I appreciate so much that I'm able to, you know, I can go to sleep and I know that, okay, you know, nothing's going to interrupt me. It's like a luxury on honestly, like it's, it's like a freaking, you know, I remember all those years going to school and just having to wake up, you know, versus now, um, you know, I can just sleep. So, so yeah, it's, if you're sleeping on sleep, you're not going to get there. You got to go to sleep. Final question for you here. So you mentioned uh, post-competition, you kind of let people cool down um, after the kind of the monotonous peak, quote-unquote. Um, how do you go about reassessing goals and making changes for upcoming meets and making sure, you know, that the plan set in or set forth is, you know, a good plan? That is a great question. Uh, a lot of that comes from meet day. Um you know, if we have certain errors on meet day, 
then I will assign movements to make those errors go away. <laughs> um, also, you know, sometimes sometimes things can happen in prep and I won't really get the feedback that I need until it's like, all right, we're, we're, you know, we're like four weeks out. I can't really, I don't really have options at this point. I can't really do much. Um, you know, I have to, I have to continue the plan, make minor changes and then taper them into the competition. It's almost, I like to say it's like the event horizon of a black hole, right? You get, once it starts pulling you, there's no way you can't escape, right? The meat is coming. There's nothing we can do. It would be very foolish to do any drastic change or completely flip the, flip the script. Although I have seen crazy things happen where you can get away with doing like emergency situations where you just have to call audibles and it works out. Ideally, you don't want to do that. Um, but you know, I will look at their prep and say like, Hey, you know what? I think, I think we can afford to add a little bit more on this day or Hey, we, you know, I think we can do a little bit more on this day. It just really depends on, um, it depends how prep goes. It depends how meat day goes. Meat day is a super strong, uh, like, uh, source of feedback and influence for me. Um, but if everything goes well, they PR every lift and they go nine for nine and, or, or maybe they have one minor miss. Maybe it's something as simple as, okay, we're going to do holds a little bit more frequently now in training and that's it on deadlifts. Or maybe they need more tempo squats because their stability is bad or they're not, you know, they have horrible control with big weights or they're having trouble hitting depth. So we're going to do more pauses, things like that. Um, I actually think doing regular squats to depth and getting that stretch reflex is going to be better than actually doing pause squats to help people with depth. Um, but it is, you kind of need people to try the pause squats to kind of find their depth. Tempo squats are super good for that. Um, you know, tempo deadlifts can teach lifters like how to, how to find their tension. If they're just yanking on me day and not pulling slack, that's definitely going to help them. Although my question would be, how did you make it through prep and yank on me day? You know what I mean? It's like, we should have been handling that in training. Um, but yeah. That is pretty much that. There's one other thing. Oh, yeah. It's also important not to overdo this, right? You don't want to overcorrect. For example, if somebody misses on balance on their sumo deadlift, right? You might do another, you might do everything exactly the same and they get it next time, right? There are a couple little things that you can change to help with that, but you want to make it like minor. It's not like, all right, we're going to add two extra deadlift days and we're going to just hit it hard and da da da. No, it's like little. You want to make little changes to get good, big, big and better results. It's not, you don't want to completely overhaul everything. Um, you know, sometimes I have lifters actually very often I'll say, Hey, I want to change your stance, but I don't want to do it until after competition. Right. Or I'll be like, Hey, I want to get you in flats and I want to widen your stance out. But you know, we're already here now. Like we're six weeks out. I don't want to change it right now. Let's just stay. Um, you know, so stuff like that. It's like it's a it's such a balancing act. It's like you need to know when to make big changes. You also need to not change too much, and you have to do it gradually over time. You have to look for you know okay, it, all of it comes down to like it's like common sense, and then you know what you've what you've done in the past with you know your prior lifters. Like I said, I work with you know damn near mostly most of the times a hundred people, right? Um, not to mention the people that I have working under me and the feedback I'm getting from them. So I'm seeing all these different things happen from all these different people. I'm kind of always in the mindset of some, I always have someone competing. I always have someone going through volume. I always have someone going through, you know, uh, a strength or intensity block. Um, uh, granted, I see them, the, the longer I do this, I see that like 
the all the phases are kind of more related than than people think. I also think that you know people taper. Um, a lot of people taper way too far out. Like some people don't need it till the absolute last minute, but that is kind of up to the coach to decide and 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 things like that. So, um, yeah, I kind of went a little over your question there, but I think I think that's good. Uh, if you have anything else, let me know. Oh, it's always good. So you mentioned with tapering. Um, with one more with nationals coming up here. Yeah. Do you have any tips for people co- competing at nationals or just leading up to nationals here? Tips for people competing at nationals. Um, uh, try to get there a couple of days before you compete for sure. Uh, what I like to do is like get there and then look at the venue, see what's going on, get my bearings, kind of know where I'm going to be operating like, where am I going to be handling people? Where's the registration desk? Where are the weigh-ins? Where are the bathrooms? All those things. Um, you know, have fun with it. You know, remember why you're there in the first place. Uh, make sure you have everything with you. Be on time. Read everything. Read all the instructions. You know, you know, just pay attention to the, what time you need to be there and things like that. If you miss weight, I'm pretty sure you can't lift. Unless your qualifying total in the higher weight class is there. And a lot of people are barely making those QTs right now. So you got to make weight. So do what you got to do now. You have seven weeks to, to make sure, uh, seven, six weeks, whenever this video goes up, um, to make sure you're on point. And, uh, and yeah, that was, that's, that's pretty much that. I'm trying to think of just anything else. Um, make sure you bring everything with you. Find out where grocery stores are because you're going to need food and snacks and things like that. You know, your distance from – you don't want to be caught off guard by anything. So if you're unsure about something, um, you know, be sure to do your research, uh, you know, and, and make sure you know your rules and, and things like that. So aside from that, I mean, it should be a good meet. It's going to be more days. It's Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, so five days. So I don't think it's going to be as crowded. I also don't know how many platforms. I think it's three, could be two. I would be shocked if it's two. Um, but, uh, you know, Nationals is kind of, it's been getting better and better every year. I don't want to go too much into it, but the whole, like, pricing with the coaching thing was kind of throwing people off. But I think it could be worse. It's not that bad. I did do a video on it um, just recently. But, um, but yeah, guys, uh, I think remember why you came to Nationals. Have fun with it. Uh, enjoy the moment, you know, just stay calm, execute your lifts. And, um, I think it's going to be, it's, it's going to be, it's going to go down in, in the, in the books. You know what I mean? Do you want to give yourself a shout out and tell the listeners where they can find you? <laughs> yeah. If, if they already don't up. know who Joey Flex is. What up guys? <laughs> uh, I'm just, I'm just a guy that likes to make people strong and play video games, man. I'm, I'm just chilling. Uh, you guys can find me at Joey Flex on uh instagram um i have a youtube channel you could just search joyflex on youtube and you'll find me um i also do stream on twitch it's uh, twitch tv four slash joey all my i am gonna start streaming my workouts on there i'm gonna do my podcasts my podcasts on there um and i i really like the streaming aspect because it's a way for me to kind of connect with people that follow me people you know young, young lifters that you know Maybe maybe they have no other way to reach me. They can jump into the stream and kind of ask me questions um, and, and things like that. So uh, I think, yeah, all those are pretty much where you can find me. FlexTrainSystems.com, of course, with two X's. Um, 
you know, that's where you can inquire about coaching and things like that. But aside from that, uh, thanks, man. I think it was good. I think it was super, probably the most dense amount of information I've ever put out in, in an hour. And uh, I'll see everybody in that. I appreciate you being on. Yep. Yeah.